Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina. If you follow my ministry, you know I am passionate about reviving and uniting the body of Christ in order to fulfill the Great Commission with extravagant love for one another and for a hurting world. I invite you today to join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and best of all, your testimonies of God's goodness in your lives. Thank you for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are, enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader from the body of Christ with me today. She calls herself Pastor but she is a co-founder of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and she is a senior leader with Bethel Church in Redding, California. And she's also written her first book called The Good, The God, and The Ugly. Today, I have with me here, Kathy Valentin. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. I really appreciate it, and I'm very excited to share with you guys today. Oh, well, I am so excited to have you with me. You know, Bethel has had a profound, profoundly amazing impact in my life. And I just really honor you guys and what you guys do out there. And uh, I'm just so blessed to even have you with me. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, you know, I was so excited about your new book uh, that's coming out, The Good, The God, and The Ugly. Um, I love what you wrote in the description and everything. You said a real honest look at uh, behind the scenes life of a very uh, prophetic (laughs) family. And that had me so excited. I love honest conversations with people about Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And it was, you know, I, at first I kind of struggled a little bit because you know, Chris has written, what, 14 books now, and a lot of, you know, our story is in his books. And I thought, what am I going to have to add to that? Until I realized um, by talking to people that it's not what I was going to add, but it's revealing a different side of something. Hmm. And everybody was always like, we've heard what Chris has to say. We want to hear what you have to say. So it was, um, it was a journey. Um, it was a labor of love, <laughs> uh, especially be my first book. Um, you know, all the insecurities that come with writing something. It's like, is anybody going to buy it? Does anybody want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> Done. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I'm really happy with how it came out. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. You know, I've told our listeners so much about you. Is there anything that you'd like to tell them about you? Maybe something personal just to help them get to know you? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm not the typical pastor's wife that people kind of stereotype pastor's wives as. Um, I've always done, I've always worked with my husband, Chris, since we've been married. And that's been really, that's been really exciting. And most of my, most of my life has been working in a man's world. We had auto parts stores and 
shops, repair shops, um, remanufacturing plant for air conditioning. Until we got into the church, it was my first time really working with women. And some of my hobbies that I really love is are horses. My my daughter got me into horses about probably eight years ago. So I have two right now. And then some of my favorite pastimes, of course, are horseback riding and fishing. My son and I go fishing all the time and hunting. So it's not the typical woman's activities that, you know, you do every day, but it's what I love doing. So That's so awesome. I love horses. They're such beautiful creatures. They're so surreal. They're so healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really exciting for me to be able to take people that have had either real traumatic experiences on horses or just going through hard times in their life and taking them out on a trail ride. And, and we come back and I've had guys crying because they're like, I've never experienced anything like this. Or I had such a bad experience with horses and this experience was so amazing. So it's it's been kind of a ministry for me and really exciting. Oh, that's so awesome. I've had the privilege of, of riding a little bit. Nothing nothing much to speak of, not competition or anything like that. Oh, me neither. <laughs> I didn't get started until I was like mid-50s, so I wasn't going to be doing any barrel racing or anything like that. <laughs> well, my family makes sure I'm pretty safe, and I always ride with a helmet. So I love that. Well, what yeah. really inspired you to write The Good, The God, and The Ugly other than to to share your side of it, which I think is so beautiful because I think we can all go through the same experience, but experience it differently. Um, I think for, for me, it's super important to leave something behind for other people. And from the time my kids were really little, I started journaling my day and things, just different things that had happened during the day, different events, um, different seasons of time. I thought, I know what's going to end up happening. I'm going to think I'll never, ever, ever forget this moment in my life. And then five years later, you're like, what happened? And I can't remember quite exactly the way it happened. And so I thought, you know, there's my grandmother lived to be 102 years old. And I didn't hardly know anything about her. I mean, except for the fact that, you know, she was a wonderful woman and I saw her all the time, but I didn't know the details of her life. And I thought, I don't want my grandkids to say that about me, you know, what about grandma and grandpa? We don't, we knew that they loved us and we knew that they had a fun place for us to come, but we didn't really know about their life. So I decided that I was going to, you know, capture something. I was going to pin something that could be passed down from generation to generation to generation so that the the grandkids that and great grandkids and great, great grandkids that I'll never see will be able to, know about Mm. you know their grandma and their grandpa so for me it was all about legacy and leaving something behind for a generation that you know I may not ever see Mm. I love that so much you know legacy is something so powerful I always think of what the bible Mm -hmm. bible speaks about a a good man lays up wealth for his children's children you know and it's not just physical wealth I think in that that particular passage it was talking about physical wealth, but you're kind of laying up a spiritual wealth too. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. So tell me, your book is filled with stories and life lessons. Which which one of the stories 
do you think has had the most impact on your faith? And would you share that with our listeners? There is, there is so many. Um, and this book is filled with life lessons. Um, at the end of each chapter, there's just ways that you can apply what the, the story that I've told you about our life and, and how that applies to, that can apply to, you know, each, each listener, each reader, probably the, the most impactful or one of the most impactful ones. It's the one on confrontation and not being afraid to confront people. So many times we think of confrontation as a negative word, and it's really not a negative word. It can be, but for me, confrontation is a positive word because it helps me, when I'm confronted, it helps me get better and better and better. And so being a, most people are afraid of that, so they tend to shy away from it. So one of my chapters is all about confrontation. And I don't know, this is probably about 12 years, maybe 15 years ago. Um, we were we were leading worship, Brian and I, well, I was on the worship team. I was playing my violin and Brian was leading worship at a conference at, at Bethel Church. And there was probably, well, the church was full, so there's probably about 800 people there. And we got into this place in worship and all of a sudden, you know how you see something out of the corner of your eye? I saw Brian's hand kind of fly up towards my direction I thought, this is really strange. What What's going on? And I thought, I must have just seen something wrong. So a couple minutes goes by, and all of a sudden, I'm, I, my eyes are on Brian because he's standing in front of me. I'm behind him. And his hand goes up kind of like he's telling me to be quiet. And I look over at the gal that's playing the cello with um, that was sitting right next to me, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I thought, okay, I know now that I saw what I saw was real what what is he trying to tell me and so we stopped and then the music you know every Brian didn't stop but we stopped playing and just kind of faded out and the next song started and so I'm inside I'm going god what is what's going on here this doesn't feel very honoring it doesn't feel very right and we're playing and playing and playing and all of a sudden Brian takes his hand off his guitar again and swishes it back towards us and now I am furious inside. I'm thinking, how dare he? I've been a mom to him since the time he was born. I've gone through everything with him. If he wanted us to shut up, why couldn't he just, you know, turn his hand and, you know, have us bring down the tone or bring down the volume or whatever, or tell us to stop by just a hand signal. And I thought, here, all these people in this conference are seeing what he's doing. And it's so humiliating. Mm. And I just went on and on and on in my mind. And so the last song started up and once again, shyly, we started playing again and I'll be darned if he doesn't do it again. And I'm thinking I'm done with this worship team. I'm done with Brian. I'm done with being humiliated. I'm, I'm just, I can't believe he would dishonor me like this. And I was so embarrassed. So I, I told the Lord, this is it. This is the last time. And so worship was over with. I'm packing up my violin and I'm thinking, I just want to get off this stage. The Lord kind of taps me on the shoulder spiritually. And he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm, I'm out of here. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, I'm gone. And he said, you're, you need to talk to Brian. I said, I don't need to say anything to him because I'm so angry right now. And he said, no, you, you, need, to, you need to speak to Brian. And I said, nope. And he said, you're a chicken. <laughs> 
And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. And I said, I, I argued, I, I actually argued in my mind and my head with him. And I said, no, you're not. Or no, I'm not. And he said, you are afraid to confront him. And I said, I'm not afraid to confront him. He said, then good. And I'm like, oh, I think I just got myself into a pickle here. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I kind of stalled thinking, well, Brian will you know walk off the stage before I'll have a chance to talk to him. And I turned around and there he was. And so I went over to him. And I said, Brian, what was that all about? And he said, what was what all about? And I said, don't do that to me. You know what I'm talking about. He said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, Brian, we were playing. I was playing my violin. Michelle was playing her cello. And you just took your hand and kind of flippantly shooed us off and told us to shut up and to be quiet. And then he looks at me right in the eyes and he starts laughing at me. And now I am fuming. I'm thinking, I cannot believe he's humiliating me again. And I said, Brian. And he said, I'm sorry. This is just so funny. And I said, well, it's not funny to me. Mm. And he said, I wasn't trying to tell you to shut up and to stop playing. I said, well, it looked that way to me. And it looked like that way to everybody else that was watching. And he said, that's not what happened. And I said, well, then tell me what happened, Brian. And he said, there was a fly buzzing around my face and I was trying to shoo it away. And I'm like, a fly buzzing around your face and you're trying to shoo it away. And I felt as small as an ant. I felt so stupid. And I kept thinking, the stories that I made up in my mind of the dishonoring that Brian was doing to me, that and the thing that, that hurt the most was not that the fact that I didn't want to confront him or that I was terrified to confront him, but was the fact that I actually allowed my mind to create those stories instead of saying, oh, there's probably just a fly buzzing around Brian's face and he's trying to get rid of it. That would have been awesome. But no, I had made up this created story in my mind, which your mm -hmm. mind is such a great chalkboard for the enemy. And the stories that I made up were just like, I couldn't even believe I was saying that or thinking that or believing that Brian would even do that to me. So we looked at each other and started laughing. And I said, I am so sorry. I said, you would never believe what I was thinking. And he just laughed mm. and he said, it's all good. So, but the fact that, you know, I could even let my mind go there. And how many times do we do that in life? You know, instead of when somebody's coming home late, especially, I don't know if you're a mom or mm -hmm. not, but. Um, you know, when our, when our teenagers would go out on a date or they would go to an event or something and, or they were coming home from school and they were late, you know, instead of my mind saying, oh, they probably stopped to have a soda and, or they're with some of their friends, they would go to, oh no, it's wintertime. And I wonder if they hit black ice and they're in a ditch somewhere. Mm -hmm. It would always go to the negative instead of the positive. And I thought, Kathy, you have a lot of work to do yet in your life. Honestly, it's so easy to do that because we live in such a negative world and believe it or not, we're constantly bombarded by little things that, you know, we kind of think are happening. And, and I'm sure in that moment, it took great courage to go to Brian and say, Hey, why did you do this? But I love that you said that you grew from that and you changed and you saw that 
that was like a negative negative thinking pattern in your life. And I'll tell you, like as a prophetic person, it's really easy to go into some of that stuff. Oh, it's so easy, unfortunately. And the, the problem is it's just as easy to go into mm-hmm. the positive as it is to the negative. I mean, it's a choice mm-hmm. that we have. And I was doing a counseling session with a gal. Well, it was kind of a mini counseling session with one of our students years ago. And I used to deal with um, just kind of dabble in photography for a while. And the Lord had given me an example of something that I shared with her. And you know, a 35 millimeter negative is, you know, when, when you didn't use an iPhone to take pictures with, mm-hmm. you actually had film. The Lord showed me a picture of a strip of film being held up to the light and how the light destroys mm-hmm. the film. And so he said, when you take the negative, like our thoughts, our words, and expose them to the light, which is Jesus. They can't be reproduced. Mm. Kind of like the light Jesus destroys, eradicates the negative. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been trying to do that daily, you know, from things I deal with, with fear in my life, to thoughts, to whatever, and just expose them to the truth, which is Jesus, so that they can't be reproduced over and over in my mm-hmm. mind. But it's a constant battle. It's a constant war. It's a constant, you know, watching of my thoughts and and meditating over them in prayer. And because I think as a prophetic person, we have a tendency to allow the enemy to use a chalkboard of our mind to create these exaggerated pictures. And then we start believing them. Yeah. And it's so interesting how when we, you know, when we let, you know, somebody other than God create images, I remember the Lord spoke to me once. I was kind of fighting through my own issues. Um, You know, this was a few years ago. And he said, um, he said, don't ever let anybody uh, paint me, but him. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at this, this painting I had in my bathroom and it was of this woman and, and he was just showing me how when we allow someone else to, to paint us, you know, we give them so much power over our lives mm-hmm. and just we live out of that vision i think about um the, the verse without vision the people perish and if we're not having our minds constantly trained on on jesus and what who he is and what mostly what he has done mm-hmm. uh, the gospel is not something that we hear once it's something that we hear every day right. um, because we live in this world where people say things, uh, you know, the media say things, um, and then society says things. I like what you said about not being a typical pastor's wife. I think it's really important right now in this hour that we as females um, be who God has created us to be and not necessarily conform to somebody else's image of what that looks like. That's so true. I agree with that 100%. So thank you for being different. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear, you know, more stories from your book and just how that impacted you. You, you talk about, you know, uh, Chris's, his breakdown. Mm -hmm. And what was that like for you um, as his wife, not as a typical pastor's wife, but as his wife? What was that like for you? You know, unfortunately, that scenario happened twice in our life. Um, The first time was when we had just been married a year and I was pregnant. I was like 
seven months pregnant. And Chris was taking a bath one evening and all of a sudden he started yelling for me. And I went running into the bathroom and he's like, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm like, mm. oh my gosh. And I was going through issues in my, you know, myself. I was sicker than a dog pregnant. I was throwing up every mm-hmm. 20 minutes during the day and every 20 minutes at night. Oh gosh. And all I could do was basically lay on the couch and pray for this baby to come. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, at the time I was only 18. So I was a kid, you know, I was a kid having kids and didn't understand. And we called the doctor, which was a friend of ours. And he said, sounds like Chris is just having a panic attack. He's not having a heart attack. And so um, he's like, go, you know, give him some, give him some alcohol to drink to kind of calm his nerves. And I'm thinking, we don't drink, first of all. Second of all, I'm underage. I can't buy anything. And it was in the middle of the night and I'm running over to our neighbor's house, banging on their door, trying to see if they have something for him to drink. And Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know it was crazy. They They never woke up and so I'm pulling Chris out of the bathtub and dragging him down to the store and looking at this liquor, thinking, what in the world do I do? I had no idea because we don't drink. And bought a bottle of wine that probably had hardly any alcohol in it that didn't do anything that the doctor wanted it to do. And then from there, it just kind of grew. It got worse and worse and worse. He um, He knew a lot of people, but we didn't have a lot of close friends. And the friends that we did have that would try to come over to see if he was okay, um, he would tell me, get rid of him. He would run into the bedroom. He would lock himself into the bathroom. He couldn't go to church. When he tried to go to church, he'd sit. He'd have to sit in a row that was right next to a door, right next to a window so he could see out. He'd be so claustrophobic. Mm. And I just, you know, I had no idea what was going on. I thought, am I losing my husband? It. I never experienced anything like, you know, this before. And in those days, it was in 1977. Yeah, 1977, 78. You know, people weren't talking about things like mental or, you know, spiritual breakdowns. They were, you know, committing people to the psychiatric ward and people just weren't sharing experiences like that. And so there wasn't any books that you could go and buy to read to figure out what was happening. It was just, you know, we were kind of making a path for people to be able to come to Chris later on and ask, you know, questions about what he was experiencing. And, you know, we, I found out that he was living off of candy bars and Coke during the day and he was working 14 to 16 hours a day. He was really young, managing a large crew at work and had just tons of pressure and, you know, wasn't treating his body well. And it just, gave out it just gave in and just broke down and Mm -hmm. so and then of course when that you know the physical happens then the spiritual starts kicking in and then the enemy started taking over and you know he never thought he was going to come out of that he would he would repeat the same things over and over and over is this going to ever end is this going to ever end am I always going to be you know like this and it did finally end there that was that was kind of a boot camp for Chris's prophetic training Mm -hmm. Um, and just the way that the enemy would try to take over a person and try to mess with his mind. And that's not something I would ever, ever, ever want anybody mm-hmm. to go through. Um, like my husband did, but there, but you know, the Lord's a redeemer 
And there was so much that he learned through those experiences. And then it happened again about 10 years ago, not for the same extent, um, not for three and a half years, but, you know, things were pretty hairy and our, our family, our youngest son was going through a divorce and our youngest or our oldest daughter was kind of going through the same thing that Chris was with a mental breakdown. And Chris was traveling a bunch. Bill was really sick and Chris was taking not only his own travel schedule, which he travels about, well, he was traveling about 150 days a year. Wow. He was taking all of Bill's appointments also, his his um, speaking engagements, because Bill was really sick mm-hmm. at the time. And so there again, the pattern just started opening up again, not enough sleep, too much activity, too much pressure, you know, from our son and our daughter. And there'd be times where our daughter was calling. I can remember being in Amsterdam and our Jamie calling and just crying, saying, I'm losing it, dad. I'm losing it. I don't know what to do. And him trying to preach at the same time he's talking to her. And it it just, you know, it was just a, it was like from a horror Mm -hmm. movie. And then the same thing ended up happening. He ended up on the couch for six months again with round, you know, round two, not thinking he was going to come out of it. And, you know, this, the second time around, it was, it was easier for me because I had already been through this and I was older and more experienced and, Every day I would just hold his face and say, this too shall pass. This is not going to mm-hmm. last. You're going to come out of this. You just keep, you know, you keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind and your, and your thoughts praying. Um, he would try to lock himself in the room or in the house, not go out. And I would make him on, on Sundays. It was really hard for him. It was super hard to even go to church. But I would tell him, you need to go to church, even if all you do is just show up and you don't say anything. And then it would be, you need to greet the people. You need to be a, you need to stand up there and just say, you know, good morning and pray over them. He goes, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can. You can do that. So I was almost spiritually holding him by the hand, dragging him along, encouraging and letting him know, you need to try this. You can do this. You're stronger than you think. And he finally ended up, you know, coming out of that. But, you know, people have breaking points. And when you push yourself past what is healthy, um, your body's going to give mm-hmm. in. And unfortunately, that's when that's an opportune time for the enemy to wreak havoc on our spirit, soul, and body. Absolutely. Thank you for being so honest and vulnerable about that. I think... Um, I think because of COVID and because of all that we've been through lately over the last, I don't know uh, how many years as a nation, I'm really hoping that people are going to start having more real and honest, vulnerable conversations about mental health and spiritual health and boundaries and physical health. You know, we, we like to take care of the body, but sometimes we neglect the spiritual and the mental and when it comes down to it, we are an amazingly created being mm-hmm. and we've got to take care of all of it, you know, and I, I think it's important for for leaders, you know, to set those boundaries, you know, um, and not get into the, the burnout phase. And it's really easy to do. And as a leader, like I remind myself to do that, you know, and to practice those self-care things. Cause I too went through a period of burnout and it was, it was awful, but I'm thankful for more leaders like you guys standing up and speaking out and being honest. Cause 
I think at the end of the day, we're all just vessels being used by Christ. That's so true. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, in the um, Christian world or secular mm-hmm. world or whatever. You know, people will, the the general body will take somebody that has any prominence, a form of prominence, and they'll try and elevate mm-hmm. them on this pedestal. And trying to sit up there is really lonely and it's mm-hmm. really volatile and you can fall really easy and people have a perception, a persona of people. And it's just not true. I mean, people are people mm-hmm. and everybody deals with the same exact thing. Yeah. I think there's almost this idea that I've, I've seen in the body of Christ that, that leaders are somehow immune to life or the struggles in life. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I, I, I think about Paul and, you know, I think about, you know, he really suffered for the gospel of Jesus Christ to, um, you know, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked. Um, and yet he still said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we have to really understand that that leaders are just other people. They're just people. And they're yeah. they're getting, you know, knocked around. Hopefully we have a little bit more revelation. We can take yeah. a little bit more authority over the enemy's onslaughts because it does come. It does. And it's, it's really important, especially if you're a leader um, or you're, you have a lot of people that are, you're responsible for, that you have a really good accountability team around mm-hmm. you and people that are speaking into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I can say that Chris is really, really good at. He's got a team around him now that speaks to him um, and they are not afraid of confrontation at all. Um, you know, we, they, we've been together with these people for a long time, for years now. And if they see something, you know, they'll call us on it. Um, they're there to encourage us through the good times and the, the, the bad times. And it's just, it's super healthy not to have to walk through something mm-hmm. alone. It's unhealthy having to walk through something alone. It's super healthy to be able to have people surrounding you that can, you know, do something together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've worked really hard to cultivate those people in my life, those safe people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're in ministry or not, but just being a safe person, um, I think mm-hmm. is a very rare and valuable thing in this world, you know, finding those voices in your life. Yeah. I- I've seen prophetic people tend to, um, a lot of times they're pioneers or they are kind of, can be kind of almost like loners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I know there's times where I really have to fight that urge. You know, when I'm up on the mountain, I need to come down and I need to talk to my people. Mm-hmm. We've talked so much about um, mental health and just this and spiritual health and physical health and, and taking care of ourselves. Is there anything burning on your heart that you want to say to our listeners today? I think for me, and the thing that I'm learning is that it's just really important to take time for yourself. Um, as leaders, we tend to pour out so much energy towards other people. And it's not that we shouldn't. Sometimes we think, oh, I just don't have time to do that, whatever it is. We don't, we don't not have time. 
I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, I gotcha. I think about that phrase, you know, an an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if exactly. if we don't take the time to take care of ourselves today, we can wind up spending a lot more time trying to do it later. Do it right the first time or have to redo it again the second time, which takes up more time. Right. But it's just, you know, it's important that we, you know, we end up loving ourselves as much as we love other Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I think the Lord said something really powerful to me one day. He said to me, he said, you're worthy of the gospel too. I was like, mm, so I was like dang, okay. <laughs> That's a good word right there. Yeah, so good. Would you like to pray for our listeners? You know, I know with, with COVID and with all the things that are going on out in the world today, there are so many people struggling. Would you mind praying for our listeners and just to experience Jesus like you did and his comfort in those moments when things got really difficult. Sure. Father, I thank you for each person that's listening to this podcast. Father, I pray that your grace, your mercy, and your peace would just rest upon them. Father, that it would fall like rain. Or people that have been feeling stressed out over life, stressed out over this pandemic that we've been going through with COVID. Lord, I just pray that you would wash away the fear, knowing that you have everything in control. You have everything in your hand. You know what we need and you know what we don't need. Father, you know what's making us strong. You know the things that are coming our way that are building blocks for a, a stronger me, a stronger them. Jesus, I just pray that <clears throat> during this time, Father, even today, that they would have an encounter with you. Father, there would be a revelation of your love, your goodness. Jesus, cloak each one of us in your peace. God, that peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, let us be able to rest in that, knowing that you have the best in mind for me, and you have the best in mind for them. Lord, let us be able to walk in anticipation of the goodness of you. Lord, let us open our eyes to see the gifts that you bring to us daily. Father, so many times we, we end up missing the, just the, the little miracles that you provide each day because we're not looking for them. Or we think that's so minuscule, that's so minute that we don't see them. Father, open our eyes to the Spirit to see what you're doing in each one of us. Father, the handiwork of you in your ways. Father, I thank you that you are so detailed, you're so creative, and you've created each one of us just the way you wanted us to be. Father, let us learn to love ourselves the way you love us so that we can manifest your love through each one of us. We thank you for everything that you're doing with us, to us, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathy. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being so real and honest. And if you want to pick up a copy of uh, Kathy's new book called The Good, The God, and The Ugly, The Inside Story of a Supernatural Family, you can find it at BethelMedia.com and, of course, on Amazon, wherever books are sold, and BakerPublishingGroup.com. And, Kathy, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, probably kathyvalatin.com. They can connect that way. 
Um, also on Facebook, which is just my name, Kathy Valentin. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a joy to have you. I hope today's show has blessed you. If you like today's podcast episode, you can give us a rating on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list. You'll get podcast episodes, blog posts, and more. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. I have been so honored to share my heart with you, have some amazing conversations with some incredible leaders in the body of Christ, and share your testimonies in this first season of Revealing Jesus. Because of your support, we've been able to reach 10,000 downloads in our first season of Revealing Jesus. Thank you for joining the conversation with me. Today's show marks our end of season one, and I am so excited about what God is going to be doing in season two. Over the next few months, I'm going to be taking a break and praying into that vision Right now, my heart is to rejoin you with season two in the fall. You know, I'm so excited. We have our big evangelistic concert coming up in the fall. So much going on. And I really see that God is going to be uh, gathering some souls. So I'm, I'm so excited about this fall coming up. So be sure to follow me on social media at Facebook and Instagram at Christina Pereira Ministries. You can connect with me there on a more personal level. And until then, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends. If you want more information on our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. We've got information on there about our events, blog posts, the Extravagant Love Store, and more. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Christina Pereira Ministries. Until then, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless you.